It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Why is Niagara Falls significant? We What's were just there. You were just at Niagara Falls. Okay. Me and my daughter. Did you find a feather there? Yes. And, a, and did you tell your daughter that was from daddy? Yes. Did your mom pass in the last three years? Yes. What's the connection to France? She trying to acknowledge that you might have been there when she was sick? What's the France connection? I went to France when, when she was sick. Did they have an argument in public or, or a joke about um, passing gas? <laughs> yeah, he was a gassy kind of guy. <laughs> Welcome to Crossing Over. My name's John Edward. I'm Michelle Laurie, and this is the Nitty Gritty Committee. Conversations about the guts and the glory of life. Today on the Nitty Gritty Committee, we have a guest. Gosh, I never thought this would happen. But he was in town. He was whirling through. And, you know, we got the press release at the radio station. And I went, oh, yeah, I'd love to speak to John Edward. I love John Edward. Remember John Edward's Crossing Over? He's that the psychic guy who, you know, talks to dead people and then tells you what they reckon. We're not going to discuss whether he's real or not. I'm not going to give him a hard time because I don't want to sit here and argue with someone or make them defensive. There's, I just don't think there's a purpose for that. If you're not into it, you can Google plenty of people who, who reckon he's a fake and will explain why they reckon that. But for the purposes of this conversation, I've just opened my mind, opened my heart, just gone with it and accepted that I'm talking to a guy who talks to dead people and then passes on their messages. I hope you enjoy this conversation. He's very lovely. John Edward. Think like energetic charades Uh or Pictionary. What they want to correlate to me, I have to now try to figure out what it is because they don't have a physical body, so they can't communicate in the way that you're hearing me. They can't communicate like I can't see them. You know, a lot of psychics will say, oh, well, I see a man standing there, and I see this, and I see that, and... Yeah, okay, you're psychically seeing it, which is called clairvoyance. But sometimes I think the way that information comes across from people in my field make it seem like we know a lot more and don't question us. Mm -hmm. I'm the opposite. I like to be like, I don't know anything. I'm like Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. (laughs) I I, I know nothing. You know nothing, John Edward. That's right, I know nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, I just know what I'm being shown. So whatever I see here or feel energetically, I pass on. But I do put it in my frame of reference. So last week I was in New Orleans. I was doing an event, and this woman's husband came through, and he showed me or he made me feel, which is called clairsentience, he made me feel like anger and frustration and a freak out. And then I saw a submarine. So I had to figure out how to take that feeling yeah. and put it on a submarine. And this woman had no idea what the hell I was talking about. I'm like, was he in the Navy? No. Was he in the Marines? 
no. I said, was there some type of freak out on a ride that you went on where there's like a submarine? And she's like, no. And this went on for like 10 minutes. And I, I caught myself. I'm like, he's telling me he freaked out on a sub. I don't know how else to say that. He freaked out on a sub. She goes, I, I honestly don't understand that message. And then I realized he was a general contractor. And I went, wait a minute. He was a construction guy. And she goes, yeah. I go, he was a general contractor and he had subcontractors. I go, he freaked out on one of his subcontractors. Oh, as soon as I God. said freaked out on a sub in that frame of reference, she went, oh, oh, yeah, that became like a legal issue. It became a. Wow. But now if I didn't push it, if I didn't kind of, it wouldn't have made sense. Cause Which he is wasn't. so hard because she's saying to you, no, 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 no. And I've learned to ignore the no's. And just stick to the information, even if it's not validated. I'm sure if you came to the event, there were things that night that the person's going, no, I don't know what that is. And maybe 10 other people have their hands up. And I go, no, 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 I'm leaving that with them. Because they've seen it time and time again. When they get home, when they think about it, when they talk to their family, they go, oh, my God, I did have that. Yeah. Wow. How long did it take you to get the confidence to push through all those no's? Um, How do you get that? How do you get the confidence that you have now to present yourself to the world and say, I don't care if you believe I'm real. I don't care if you're saying no to me. I think the first five to 10 years of my journey, first five years definitely of doing this was like Mm self-exploration, kind of coming out psychic, kind of. That's like, that's the feeling, like kind of having to could. Mm -hmm. Then my mom passed in 1989. And then like the next five years for me was this journey of who am I as a person without my mom and best friend in life like who is this who who is this person because this person is brand new on the planet like this is a new journey for me so i think that first decade i'll call it was learning to be confident as a person not just as a medium or a psychic and then i remember clearly there was a woman that came to me for a private session and i brought for her husband she said no 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 i kept getting it she slammed her hand on my desk and she said to me, listen, that person with a curse word in front of it um, should be dead. He's my ex-husband. You're accurate with the name. You're accurate with what you're saying, but he's alive. And I knew he wasn't. And I went, but this man's coming. She's like, I don't know who you have talking about him. She goes, but there's nobody that passed like that. She goes, I have two daughters with him. Move on. So she kind of intimidated me in a very big way. Mm. I did. I moved on. Two weeks later, I got a letter in the mail, same woman, apologizing to me because she found out that her husband had passed, or ex-husband had passed, Mm. and he passed the way I described. And all the other stuff that didn't make sense made sense when she found out that he had passed. She also found out that her in-laws or ex-in-laws didn't like her nor her two children, therefore they weren't notified. Mm. But I remember standing in my kitchen, and it's like, I call these postcard thoughts and a lot of people get them, but I get them really strong, mm. where I anchor the feeling, the thought, to the picture. So it kind of like locks me right in. Mm-hmm. The letter's in my hand, standing in my kitchen, and the feeling of utter failure mm. was what kind of sat with me. Because not just for him, but like when I look to my timeline in the past, that past decade of people that I worked with, I was like, oh my God, how many people's messages that I just totally screw up because I didn't have the, you know, the tenacity to stick to the message because mm-hmm. somebody's telling me no. And I made it, it was like a turning point moment. It was like that moment where I was like, you know what? I don't care. And I, and, and I, it really became very easy because I was like, you know what? I, I'm, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be that, that, I'm going to be that, 
that voice. I'm going to do it. I'm, and I don't care if people don't like me. Are you up to date with Game of Thrones? I am. You know that moment a couple of weeks ago when the red lady said to Jon Snow, you have the, a power, it's, you, you fight it. You have to embrace it. If you embrace this power, you could do anything, but you're fighting your power. And I think a lot of us do that with Listen, our personal power. I have to tell you, I just had an astrologer last week. Mm. Literally last week. Mm. I'm 30 years doing this. Mm. Looked at my chart and said to me, you are so not operating at the level psychically that you could be operating on. Oh and, I'm, and I'm like, at this moment, I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like 46 years old right now. How much more am I supposed to like, you know, like. And you've been giving it everything you've got for Everything I've years. got. Or, and he said, no, he goes, you've, you put a lot of restrictions on, wow. on what you do. And then right away I go to the place of, and I respect this gentleman. His name is Christopher Wateki. You can check him out. Like, you know, I was reading about him today because he's joined a network of yours, and you're you're sort of you were you were saying on Twitter that you really yep. respect this guy. I do because he's coming from a place of teaching. Mm. So you know he does this thing called um, Namaste Today, and I watch it every day. And I get my kids to watch it because I'm not an astrologer, but I think it's kind of like looking at the weather forecast, mm. and it's nice to know like what's going on and what are the lessons. And I, I think it's important like we're just coming through this period of time where there's like a new moon in Gemini. So for the people that follow astrology, they mate, they, it nearly killed me. Really? I'm a Gemini. And oh my God. Boy, did that moon take it out of me. Because it's all like new beginnings and fresh starts. So he, you know, mm. he was looking at my chart and he's like, yeah, he goes, you could be doing like, you could be working at a higher level. So and he goes, but you know, you got personal restrictions. And in my head, I'm not going to lie. I had this moment of like, I don't think I have personal restrictions. I'm like, I pretty much like, this is my life. Like mm -hmm. I, I, this is my path, my passion. He go, I said, how so? He goes, you don't want to be famous. He goes, you don't want to be out there. And it was like, somebody just went, ooh, he just schooled you. Like, <laughs> I was like, Yes, he did. And I, I, and I kind of had that moment of like I had to face the reality of I don't mind being the teacher, but I kind of do say like I'm, I, I'll do the media and I'll do the stuff and I'll do that and I'll, and I'll do it in this little circle over here. But I've passed up a lot of TV stuff in the last decade where I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not doing a reality show. Like, no, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. I have no interest in that. So, yeah, I have put a lot of restrictions and boundaries, but always because I felt it was the quality of the subject matter. Yeah. You know, I like if Crossing Over came back, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, but you don't want to be on celebrity something or other where, you know, you just you're on with a bunch of weirdos and you're like one of the weirdos. That's the premise of the show and you don't want to do that. That's that's beneath you, frankly. You don't need to do that. But I can understand why someone who is famous, a famous clairvoyant, would struggle with being famous because part of that is people wanting to debunk you, people accusing you of really, really Heinous things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been there. I've walked that walk. You know, it's, it's funny. Like, I kind of, I feel like it's okay. I'll wear that bullseye on my butt for every parent that I've ever been able to help. Like, that to me. Yeah. Bring it on. It's the, it's the, it's really for me, it's having just like a regular life. It's the kind of, like, we went to Disney World and Universal Studios last November, Thanksgiving in the U.S., it's crazy amount of people there. And my wife looked at me, she goes, you're being really, really social and your energy is really like not guarded. What's what, what's the deal? And I go, it's kind of cool. Like nobody's bothering me. Like nobody, like I'm not that recognizable and it's kind of cool. Yeah. I was like, I'm not have to worry about where I'm going. People aren't like trying to take cell phone photos. Like nobody cares. It's like that. I said, I kind of like that. And she looked at me. She goes, you are such an odd duck. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite of what people like would want. She's like, you yeah. should kind of want people to know who you are. And I go, no, I want people to know what I stand for. Well, what? I'm the same though, because I'm a comedian 
and I do this and I do some television. And a friend of mine who is very famous um, in Australia, Alan Bro, he said to me, oh, look, we're, we're classic performers in that we want to tell people when they can look at us. I want to, I want you to look at me sometimes, but I'll let you know when. Otherwise, I don't want you to look at me. Wow. So am I finding out today I'm a classic performer as well? Yeah, you're a classic <laughs> performer. But can, also, I, can I be a classic teacher? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, But teachers that. are performers. I mean, you have to be. You have to have the charisma and the confidence to Oh, no, no. See, see if you, you were right? to try to interview me and say you can't talk about your work, you would think I'm a blithering idiot because <laughs> I would get like completely uncomfortable and stutter. And that's the God's honest truth. <laughs> Caroline Ray found that out on her show. Yeah. Yep. She's like, I want to talk to, to you know, you the person like a sweat backstage. I was like, well, I, I, I can't talk about what I do. And yeah. she was like, no, we know what you do. I want to know about you. I'm like, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause normally I like to talk about other things with people too, but I just thought, why, why would I have John Edward here and not talk about what he does? It's amazing. Um, when you were just talking about being, uh, having a lot of people around and recognizing you, do people beg you in public to do them a reading? No, they really don't. It's kind of, wow. it's kind of really very, very cool. What they'll do is they'll be very respectful and I think it has to do with me and my intentions and my energy. Like, I don't put out there, approach me and ask me to read you. Mm-hmm. But if somebody has a question, I'll stop what I'm doing and answer that. In other words, oh, like, really? yeah, because I feel like it's my job, yeah. as long as it's respectful. You know, I've had somebody stop me at an airport in New York, and she came up behind me, and she's like, oh, my God, I psychically knew that you were going to be traveling today, and my guides on the other side told me that I'm supposed to approach you. And I was like, well, then they should have told you that you should probably have approached me from six feet away from me okay. because this is an intrusive. Like that, that, I didn't like that. Yep, yep. But when somebody says, hey, I, I really appreciate what you do, and then it's coming from a genuine place, then I feel like I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. That, that to me is important. Mm. Um, speaking of criticism as well, I, I did not know about it, but I read about yesterday the 9-11 criticism that you put together a special show. Yeah. Um, not long after the event, uh, talking to relatives and you were given a very hard time about that. And that's interesting to me because my friend Simon Kennedy lost his mum in the September 11 attacks. He's Australian. Okay. And she was on the trip of a lifetime, his mum Yvonne, and she was in the plane that hit the Pentagon. Okay. And he came along and saw you and you were great and you did have messages for him and he didn't want to go. He's kind of skeptical. I read him? Yep. Oh. Girlfriend bought tickets, who's now his wife. And I'm sort of getting a bit goosebumpy now. It, like, it made a really massive positive impact on him. And um, that's really, really cool to hear. Yeah. We know what the, the backstory of that was when Crossing Over was on TV, it was on a cable network first, mm. blew up in a really positive way. Then they decided to syndicate it. We started syndication, and then, like, 12 days in syndication, 9 11 happened. Wow. And the big powers that be, you know, called the big meeting. And they said, what do we do with this? And they said, what's the, what's the issue? And they said, well, what happens if it's going to come through? I'm like, well, let's just be logical. Let's not be psychic. We tape the show in New York City. Mm-hmm. The audience comes from New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Connecticut mostly, four, four states around mm-hmm. where we tape. 3,000 plus people passed. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's going to come through. And so, your audience is full of people who want to speak to people who've died. Exactly. So I said... Just let it happen. I just just don't highlight it. And they go, well, what do you mean? I said, well, October 5th, 1989. And they looked at me and they go, okay. I go, do you know what that date is? And they were like, you could see them like, you know, like, what's the date? What's the date? I'm like, that's my September 11th, October 5th, 1989. That's the day my mother passed. That's the day my life changed. Are you all telling me that September 11th, 2001 is more important 
than October 5th, 1989? Is that what I'm hearing in this meeting? And they were like, no, no, not, not at all. I go, well, that's the message you're going to put out mm. to everybody else, that these are like celebrity deaths or mm. that it's a more impactful because of the news or because of the amount of people. I said, let's go talk to a Jewish family who lost their entire family in the Holocaust, yeah. and let's talk to them and see if they think that September 11th is more important. And I, I went through a different, and I, got, I thought I got into the place of we're just going to let it organically happen and not highlight it or promote it. Well, the powers that be, because TV really has evil people that work in it, mm -hmm. um, did an interview with Broadcast and Cable. Feel free to look it up. And they said that they were doing special oh. rating sweep shows oh. wow, dealing yeah. with September 11th. Now, do I know that this is happening? No, I don't. I'm on the way to California. I get a phone call from Whoopi Goldberg, who I could say is a friend. And she's like, dude, what? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The hell? I'm like, what? What, what do you, what? She's like, they're scrolling your name across CNN at the bottom. And she starts telling me, like, what's going on? I'm like, she's like, what, what, why would you do that? I'm like, Whoopi, you know me. I said, I, you know, I would never do that. The reality is they did that maybe for a rating employer or something, whatever. Then they get put a gag order on me and yeah. said that I wasn't allowed to talk about it. And I'm like, wait a second. <sighs> like, this is my face and name that's being, like, lambasted everywhere. And then I, it was it was really funny. That was on a Friday where they put a gag order on me and said, I'm not allowed to talk about it. But the following Monday, I was doing a satellite media tour across the United States for the show. Oh, and they said, remember, don't bring it up. And I went, okay. I'm like, I'm not going to have to bring it up. Every news reporter is going to ask me this. And they did. Yeah. I'm like, so I, ha I, I basically addressed it. And so you look like, no offense, an asshole yep. who is taking advantage of these yep. people and the situation and trying to get media attention out of it. Yep. And you're, it's your face and your name. How it was did, crazy. It how was... did you, what did you do? I was honest. Yeah. I was just very I was just me. I was direct. Yeah. Somebody said the first the first interviewer went, John Edward, mm -hmm. why would you do it? And I said, Why would I do what? And she goes, Why would you why would you read families that had victims of the of nine eleven? And I went, No, I think a better question is why wouldn't I do it? I go, This is what I do. And I said, and it doesn't matter if the person passed there or in a heart attack or if they passed in a different place, mm -hmm. those families that are sitting in front of me came to me i didn't go to them mm. they came to me mm. and you know once people heard that you know i have a plaque at home from an organization of families that passed from september 11th who thanked me for all the stuff i did behind the scenes that nobody even knows about mm. but you know it's it's those moments that you know it's like it's okay it comes with the subject matter i've had them in the past i'm sure i'll have them in the future mm. and it's okay 
because it's kind of it it goes it goes with the with the subject matter and i i just you know jokingly say i have a 12 year old and 8 year old and you know you have to sit down as as a parent and you have to have certain conversations with your children and for me it's like don't google daddy's name like it's mm-hmm. like it's 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 literally that it's not like avoid porn yeah. you know it's yeah. it's more like listen you know yeah. people say nasty stuff on the internet you were even featured in an episode of south park at a very young age one young boy learned he had a special gift this is the other side Michelle Laurie, and you are right in the middle of the Nitty Gritty Committee. Thank you for downloading. If we're going to be interested in what you do, if we're going to go to your gigs and, you know, you have to just open your mind and open your heart and say, I'm, go- I'm going into this. I'm doing it. Right, and I want to educate people. Like, I want them to know that they don't need me. I want them to know that, you know, yeah, you can come to an event mm. or, yeah, you can watch a TV show or, yeah, you could buy a book, but you don't have to. I want you to be able to explore life. And I think if people are explorers, energetically, if they're just explorers, mm. that means that they're seeking information. Once you find that information, right, you discover it, it raises your awareness. Once your awareness is raised, you can put it into action. Mm. That's, how you change, that's how you change or evolve, by having information. That's not a reading. That's yeah. information. What do you do when you get information in a reading that's gonna, that you know is going – I mean, a lot of times you wouldn't know it's going to be really hard for the person that you're reading, but – do you remember times when you've had to tell them something really devastating? Sure. You've got a message? Sure, I do. Um, and I also know that this is interpretive, and I know that I have to be respectful and responsible of how mm-hmm. information comes through. So if what comes to mind is a friend who I knew was going to have an issue with his father. Knew it. Like, mm-hmm. just knew it. Most and of us do. Yeah, yeah. I just, like, <laughs> psychically, but, like, this is something yeah. that you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't be okay. able to foresee. It was health, something health-related. And the guy was young, and he had good health. So instead of me being like, you know, dude, you're going to have a, you know, your dad's going to pass. You know, he looks like there's this thing that's coming up here. What I did was I maybe instead of just saying it once, I might have said it like 13, 15 times in a reading and just kind of kept going back to it. Just kept going back to it. The health thing. Yep. Yep. You know, knowing what it was, knowing where it needed to be, knowing, but knowing that he would shut down if I said it. So about now his wife happened to be sitting there and she was very funny. Not really, but she was turned around. She goes, you know, if I didn't know better, I think you're trying to say that his dad's going to die. And I looked at her like, really? Really? Is, did, did you just say it? Like, did you just come out and say it? Because I was trying not to. And I said, you know, that's not really up to me. That's really up to the soul of the person that's in that body. Mm. I go, but it does kind of look like there's going to be a health challenge. Maybe you guys need to stay on top of that. Maybe you need to ask him. And I knew that this was a man who was not going to have a conversation with his dad, would not ask his dad, hey, how do you feel? And the dad eventually, because they did not listen, did pass. Mm-hmm. 
But like in that case, you know, I got the message across without freaking anybody out. Mm. It's interesting to me too, your mainstream fans. I'm Buddhist. And so the, the Dalai Lama talks a lot about, you know, reincarnation is a concept right. that's, that's part of Buddhism. And so for us, all of this is kind of easy to cop. But you have a lot of Christian fans. I do. For whom it's sort of about heaven and hell and stuff like that. I mean, do they struggle with... They do, actually. I think yeah. a lot of people, they, they come from this, you know, old school, mm. you know, eternal damnation type of mm. type of dogma that people have. Yeah. But here's what happened. I think the universe kind of sets us up. You know, I say be an explorer. So I, I'm an explorer. Because I've never on your show, I never heard you say, oh, he's in hell. Nope. And you won't. <laughs> no. And you won't hear me say they're in heaven either. No. No, true. Yep. It's That's a religious framework. Yes. And I see myself as being much more painting a portrait of energy. Mm. So to me, this is scientific and energetic based, not religious mm-hmm. in that framework. But um, I made a huge error or mistake. wasn't It was, was supposed to happen in college when I was in university. They offered a class for upperclassmen only. It's called witchcraft. And I'm like, wait a minute. Witchcraft? They're offering witchcraft in a university? How do I not take this class? It's like, I have to be in this class. Because yeah, I, I was already doing this work for you know the yeah. subject matter. I'm like, I got to see what they're teaching. So I lobbied to get in. I was a freshman, I think. I lobbied to, to get in. And they were like, no. I said, please, I have to be in this class. So I was out allowed to get in. First day of class, teacher walks in. Class is packed, right? Packed. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Theology 101. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, what? Uh, and he goes, oh, oh, you think you're just studying witchcraft. He goes, oh, no, no, we'll get to witchcraft, which is also an actual religion. He goes, but this is Theology 101. He goes, now, ladies and gentlemen, if I was to say theology is what I was teaching, I'd have nobody here and no paycheck. He goes, so I have to, I have to be a little bit salacious. Sex in my, it up. Yeah, yeah. I got to get people to come in. And it was a really powerful class for I me because it took me through all the different types of religions, some of which I didn't even know existed. Mm. Then we got to Christianity and Catholicism and some of the stuff that I grew up with, right? Mm. I had already considered myself to be a recovering Catholic by that point or, and as, as, at that point already, but it blew up like everything I learned. Everything that I was taught. And I was like, wait a minute. Reincarnation was part of Christianity and then it was removed? I was like, huh, they don't teach that in CCD. I'm like, and energy, that idea of energy moving forward, not all of you, bits staying, you know, and and all of that that makes what you do make sense if you believe it. It's conscious, consciousness. So I always tell, tell when people ask me the religion question, I just go, here's my deal. My faith in God and the divine is unwavering. It's the foundation I stand upon. It cannot be cracked. Mm. I said, but faith is free. Religion? Nah, that you got to pay for. Yeah. Religion you pay for. Mm. Faith is free. Mm. Um, how do you stop reading? How do you, how, how, like you were talking before about the, the heaviness of energy sometimes when there's a lot of people in a space. Uh, messages coming at you constantly? No. no okay. That's a major misnomer that mm. I think Hollywood has done a great bang up job because it is sexy. You know, yeah. and, and, and it appeals to the human ego of importance of, you know, I can't turn it off or I'm always on. So I, I, I equate it to surgery because that's what I feel like this is. When you're doing a reading for someone, it's sacred and it's special and it should be treated that way. So when, an op- when a, a, a surgeon goes into the operating room, sweet, they go in there, they scrub up, they gown up, they go in, they do their job, they come out and then they take everything off. Mm. that's what I feel like when I'm doing the do readings. Mm. I energetically protect myself, scrub mm-hmm. up. I protect myself energetically from going in to do the reading. I do the reading. Then I get out and then I detach from that because it's not my life. Yeah. And I go back to being me. 
Now, I don't stop being a psychic or a medium with that perspective, but I'm not actively doing readings 24-7. So I have the knowledge that like the doctor and surgeon has of the anatomy, the human, the human anatomy and physiology, how it works, but he's not, he's not in the supermarket like assessing someone's you know no. tumor or operating in aisle five, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's the same thing. Yeah. So I kind of feel like there's a time and place. Yeah. And I think any practitioner who really knows their stuff, they already know that. And they already have the time and place to set up in their schedule when they're going to mm-hmm. do what they do, when they do their surgery. Um, and for those that don't do that, I just say to them, and, and this is where I become a popular in my own field, I say to the practitioner, you need to look in the mirror and make sure that you're not coming from ego. As yeah. If, you know, let me show you what I can do for you. Uh-huh. And I think there's way too many people that in every field that come from that place of, absolutely, you know, the inner monster is what I call it. Yeah. We're all fighting our egos all the time. Am I, am I doing that? And that's, again, a big part of Buddhism is stopping down and thinking, okay, am I doing this to be generous and be altruistic or am I doing it so that I'll be a hero for that person? And I think it's important to have, I think it's important to have ego. Mm. I don't think ego is a bad thing. Yeah. I think you need, I think you need some semblance of ego to do what you do. But anything beyond that, it's like the shot glass. If you have a shot glass, it only holds a certain amount of liquid. Mm. If you take a two liter bottle and you try to pour it into that shot glass, it's going to make a mess. You have to learn at some stage to take care of people, to not blurt out information, to be in a situation where you can conduct an entire reading and frame it your way like you were saying about your friend before, frame things in a certain way, not just blurt out your dad's going to die and leave them with it. Correct. Um, Do you have advice for for those people? I know there's a lot of people who think rightly or wrongly that they have an ability, they just don't know how to hone it. Well, I think everybody has it. Yeah. I think everybody has psychic ability. I think everybody has biceps. Like every single person has a set of biceps. My friend Linda, who who she and I went to see you at Rod Laver, she was um, living in King Lake, still is, during the big bushfires there. Okay. And a lot of people around where she lives died in the fires. And for a long time after that, she felt energetically very weighed down and um, it was very heavy for her. Well, well, think about it. If you were to go today, mm-hmm. all these years later, to the September 11th memorial, yeah. which is down at Ground Zero, yeah, it is going to feel the same way. Places do keep energy, you Places think? do keep energy. Yeah. And when places are memorialized in a certain way, it yeah. creates an energy that might feel somber or, or heavy. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm very, very aware of, of places and, and mm. you know, sacred places now let's let's go to the flip opposite i was on tour in the uk and i knew i was going to pass the area where stonehenge was Mm -hmm. how do i not stop at stonehenge of course i gotta stop so we stop at stonehenge and i walk over to stonehenge which was such a disappointment i know tiny on the side of a highway on the side of a highway (laughs) i was like really like the excitement was getting an ice cream cone for me like but i was there yeah but I, i had this moment where i just put myself there and i closed my eyes and i'm feeling and i was like how do i feel how do i feel right here standing at stonehenge wet and damp that was my feeling (laughs) wet and damp not a damn bit of psychic energy for me whatsoever i could have been in a park yeah wow okay so it's all been sucked out of it yeah but when i got there you know i was like okay and then in queens new york there's a you know a parking lot where the world's fair had, had taken place where there was a woman many many years ago um, I think her name was Veronica Lucan, who claimed she was channeling the Virgin Mary. Mm. And I wanted to go there as a kid. I was just like, how do you not go? It's like the Virgin Mary's appearing in Queens. You gotta, you gotta go. You have to go. <laughs> Catholic, not Catholic, you have to go. You gotta go. So I said to my mom, I go, you gotta take me. She's like, I am so not taking you. She goes, get your aunt to take you. So I got my grandmother to want to go. So I got my aunt to take us and we went. 
And that was an amazing experience. Wow. That was more spiritual for me than being at Stonehenge. Now, do I believe that this woman was connecting with the Virgin Mary? I have no idea. But here's what I know. Thousands of people from all over the country mm. bust in, came together in unity, and were praying and praying the rosary. And that energy, the energy of prayer, was spectacularly spiritual. And that taught me at a young age, wow, when people come together and they focus their intentions, magic happens. And I think that's important. So whether the people that are coming together are as a family, as a group or society, when you come together and you set your intentions in a positive way, I think magic happens. I don't think we're going to do better than that. John Edward, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's lovely to see you this close up. Thank you. See ya. You'll find more info about all of our guests at michellelaurie.com, as well as a place to leave questions and feedback. There's also a link there to the website of Tenzin Choyil. He is the man behind the beautiful Tibetan music you've heard throughout the podcast. Thank you to Tim Mountford and Peter Laurie for editing help, but please know that the clunkiest edits are all mine. And thank you for downloading this episode of the Nitty Gritty Committee, conversations about the guts and the glory of life. Please subscribe to get them all on iTunes and go ahead and leave us a nice review if you feel so inclined. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.